I'll be reading Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You may be seated. Well, I'm delighted to be with you today, as I always am. I'm very grateful for the presence of everyone. As was mentioned earlier, it's a beautiful day in Tyler, Texas. Even though it might be a little cloudy and overcast, still it's a beautiful day, and we're very grateful for it. For those of you who are following along online and by various uh, venues and listening to us, I hope it's just as beautiful a day as where you are as where we have. Thank you for the reading of the scripture. Thank you for the beautiful singing and the prayers which have been offered in and for our behalf. It's a difficult world in which we live. Trials and tribulations seem to be on every side. All you have to do is look at the news and you can see the difficulties and the problems. It seems to be a great deal of tension in our world, but in the years that I've lived, I don't know of a time in which there were not problems and trials and tensions. It's always a difficulty. One's always wondering, where is the next problem coming from? And they're serious problems. I don't minimize them at all. We are in a crossroads type of time for our people, and we're very considerate of the matter, and it deserves our sincere consideration and prayer. But one thing that will help us through difficult times in our lives, whether we're concerned about the world scene or our own personal lives, is the gratitude that we have in our heart for God and what He's done for us and what He continues to do for us. And I'd like to spend just a moment today talking about having gratitude and thanksgiving for God. And let that gratitude be deep down in my heart so that I can truly say I'm thankful for all that God has done for me and that God has done for you. I could not think of a better passage than Psalm 103. If you'll turn to that passage of Scripture, I'd like to point out an issue or two in verses 1 and the verse through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Notice how he's very thankful with regard to God. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all the benefits, all his benefits. That's one of the things he's emphasizing for us. Don't forget the blessings that God has given us. What blessings? Who forgives all our iniquities. I could stop right there and just be thankful for the fact that through Christ Jesus, my sins have been forgiven. And I've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ by my faithful obedience of the gospel of Christ. And you have too. That's why you're here today. Because of your faithful obedience to the gospel and your desire to live the Christian life and to know more about it. He forgives all our iniquity, who heals all our diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Isn't that the truth? God has crowned us with such steadfast enduring love and mercy. You can count on the love of God. You can count on the great mercy of God who satisfies you with good 
so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Where he tells us of the great blessings that he has for us. I could have gone to Isaiah chapter 6. It's a beautiful passage also. Emphasizing for us the blessings of God which generates gratitude and thanksgiving in our hearts. Turn with me to Psalm 105. Turn the page and you see much of the same kind of adoration toward God for His wonderful blessings. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the peoples. Sing to Him. Sing praises to Him. Tell of all His wondrous works. In other words, tell others about the great work that God has done in our lives and how He's done this in our world. Glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek the presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that He has done, His miracles and the judgments He's uttered. Well, I stop at verse 5 simply to emphasize the point of how gracious, merciful, and kind God has really been to us. And I suppose out of the passages of the Bible, nothing is quite like the Psalms to express the psalmist's heart with regard to God's blessings. But I always like to go to some New Testament passages as well, and I turn to Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians chapter 5, looking at verse 20, 21, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Paul, while in a prison cell, is saying, be thankful for all the many blessings that God has given to us. In the book of Colossians, you have much the same sentiment. He says in Colossians chapter 3, and the verse is about verse 17, which emphasizes the importance of our thanksgiving to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. On and on the passages go, which express the desire that we should have for a tender, gracious, thankful heart. And that certainly is the avenue by which we will receive the blessings which God has in store for us. And I'd like to just mention a few reasons why. The psalmist has given us reasons, Psalm 103, 105, Paul in Colossians 5, Paul also in Colossians 3, emphasizing for us the importance of having a grateful heart for all the things that God has done. Let's focus on that today. Let's grow in our gratitude for God and all His love for us. One thing that I'd like to say is that his, I'm grateful to God in my heart today because it brings peace within and it brings peace with God. The recipe for real peace, which the world desperately needs, but does not know where to go to find it and get it. It's found right here in the Word of God. It's found in God and in His Son, Jesus Christ. The, rep- the recipe for this peace is found in Philippians chapter 4, and the verse is verse 6. You're familiar with this passage as we refer to it often. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He's telling us this is the recipe for peace. Don't be worried about the vicissitudes of life and the difficulties of life. Peace comes from a gracious heart, a heart that is filled with gratitude toward God. The heart that is not grateful 
is not going to have this peace. And that, of course, is where we fail so many times. And so many members of the church fail in this regard. They've not cultivated a grateful heart for what God has done and continues to do. They get very little joy out of serving God. There are some who get very little joy out of worshiping God because they have not cultivated gratitude in their heart for all that God has done. Of all the people that are blessed, we are so blessed by God Almighty. This is the problem of the elder son. You'll remember in Luke chapter 15, there was a prodigal son who came to his father and he said, Father, give me my inheritance, for I want to go and live on my own. And so the father gave him the portion that he was due. And he went and spent his, his inheritance in riotous living. He got so low that he even desired to be fed what was fed to the hogs. And so he realized to himself, he came to himself. Perhaps one of, that's one of the most important verses in the parable. He came to himself. It's time you may need to come to yourself and realize I need to be filled with gratitude for God and do something about it. Change my life. Well, this man changed his life. And he went back to his father, and the father saw him coming at a distance. He's filled with joy in his heart. He said, kill the fatted calf, bring a cloak to put on his back, bring a ring to put on his finger. The point that I'm making, though, is about the elder brother. The elder brother was filled with envy and spite. The elder brother came to his father and said, now look, I've been obedient to your commands all my life. I have taken care, I have done and you never kill the golden calf, the fatted calf for me. And you never put a ring on my finger. And you never put a cloak on my back. You see, in Luke chapter 15 and 29, you have an ungrateful son. He had the benefits of his father's house. He had all the benefits that his father had at his fingertips. He had the security and love of a wonderful home. And he didn't appreciate what he had. All he was concerned about is what the other brother received from his father. Well, his father was filled with love and gratitude that this son had come back, seen the error of his way, and came back. There are some prodigal sons out there that need to come back. They need to repent of their sins and come back, and in turn be obedient to God Almighty. Are you one of them? Are you a prodigal that needs to repent of your sins? Then I urge you to do that today. Let your heart be filled with gratitude for God. And don't be like the elder brother who overlooked the blessings that he had of a fine home. And all he was concerned about was what he was receiving. His brother was receiving and he did not receive. You see, you can't have peace in your heart without gratitude. You can't have peace with God unless your heart is filled with thanksgiving and the graciousness of God Himself. One of the great blessings of a gracious heart filled with gratitude is that He has peace, peace within Himself and peace with God so that you can lay your pillow, lay your head on your pillow at night and feel good about how you've lived your life and feel satisfied. I've done my best to live for God. I've done my best to live for Christ. And go to bed tired. But it's a good tired. And you sit there and lay there. And you sleep. Because you're at peace. 
peace with yourself and at peace with God. You know why? Because you have gratitude in your heart for God, what He's done for you, and what He continues to do for you. What's my point? My point is how to have this gratitude and what it really is like. How important it is for us to have this kind of heart. Even in a time which is filled with such controversy and turmoil, we can have peace of mind and peace of heart because we have grateful hearts toward God. Grateful for what He's done. A grateful heart sees the blessing of a fruitful life. In other words, I can be much more fruitful for God if I have a heart filled with gratitude. Now, if I'm filled with a grudging disposition, hard-headedness and hard-heartedness, I'm not going to be able to be as fruitful for Him as I really ought to be. The Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12 says he's thankful to God that God counted him faithful for this work. In Romans chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, he talks about going to Rome. You hadn't been there before. I'm anxious to go to Rome and preach the gospel, for I'm indebted to you. I'm indebted to preach the gospel to you, whether you be Jew or Greek, Rome, Roman or freeman, uh, slave. I want to come and preach the gospel to you, and I'm going to give it everything that I've got. Because he was fruitful, fruitful for the service of God. And he was a man that had great gratitude in his heart for what God had done for him. In Acts chapter 21 and verse 13, they warned him, Don't go to Jerusalem, please don't go, because you're going to face persecution and suffering when you go to Jerusalem. And Paul said, Why do you break my heart? I'm not only ready to go to Jerusalem, I'm ready to be bound and go to death if it need be for Jesus Christ. He was a fruitful servant of Christ. Much of that springs from a grateful heart. He was grateful for everything that God had done for him. One of the things, the advantages I know living in the first century, I have such advantages living in the 21st century, and I often think about that, the wonderful advantages I have, one of which is a completed revelation of the Word of God that I can go to and study and peruse these great pages. But one of the advantages I think of the first century Christians had is that they were close to Calvary. It wasn't that long ago that Jesus died on that hill and in dying there paid the purchase price for the sins of the world, redeeming mankind. They were close enough to remember what took place there. And they had seen and they had heard. Others had told them. They had a real gratitude that moved them to be fruitful. And so the early church grows. People are hearing the Word of God and they're telling others about it. What a wonderful true story it was that Jesus lived and died and was raised among us and now ascended back to the Father's right hand. And they were telling, you know, it just happened maybe 20 years ago. This just happened a few years back and and we're seeing the benefit of it, and it isn't something. And they were fruitful because of the gratitude that they had in their hearts for what Jesus had done for them. Paul would write in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, he says, Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for you know as much that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Be thankful and be fruitful. Sometimes we're not fruitful to the Word of God and for the Lord. Even though we've received the great blessings, 
We've received more blessings than any other culture has ever had. We have more blessings in this country than any other people have got. It's beyond our imagination to understand the wonderful blessings that we have because of God and Him blessing us, all the things we have. And I think the problems that the other part of the world has and our prayers are with them as they face these difficulties of life. Let us be people that have hearts of gratitude and be fruitful. Jesus said in Luke chapter 10 and 2, the harvest indeed is plenteous, but pray that the laborers are few. Pray therefore that the Lord will send, Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers into his harvest. We need to be fruitful children of God. But a fruitful child of God comes from a great, grateful heart. If I'm not grateful in my heart, then I'm not that concerned about what's going on or how I should live. But when you have a heart filled with gratitude and you have a heart filled with thanksgiving, then you begin to realize what has been done for me and that I need to be fruitful for God. That's my purpose here. Now, one of the blessings of a heart that's filled with gratitude is I read it from Psalm 103 and also 105 and various other passages, is that it motivates me to transform my life. Now, when you become a child of God, according to the New Testament pattern, You've repented of your sins, and in so doing, you've been baptized in water for the remission of sins, as Scripture teaches. You confess your faith in Jesus Christ, and what a wonderful day it is when you're baptized into Christ and you're added to the church of the living God. But our life doesn't end there. Our life as a Christian begins there. And now the work begins of living the Christian life. In 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter talks about the wonderful list of Christian graces. If you haven't read it recently, go back and read. He says, add to your faith, knowledge, virtue, self-control, steadfastness, and all these wonderful graces that he mentions in these matters. He says, though, in verse 9, I mean, 2 Peter chapter 1, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Now that's the problem. Our hearts do not have the gratitude in them that they need to have. For if they did, it would motivate us to transform our lives. And he's telling us what needs to be indicative of our lives, the wonderful grace, graces that he mentions in this particular passage. But that's our problem. Our problem is that we've forgotten We've forgotten that we've been baptized into Christ and our sins are washed away. And let me tell you something. There's not a greater blessing than that. That no longer am I held guilty and responsible for past mistakes, and we make them. But those mistakes have been washed away by the cleansing blood of Christ when we obey the gospel of Christ. But that enjoins us the responsibility, a responsibility to transform our lives and change the old habits that are there that are ingrained in our lives and start thinking in a new way. Now we start thinking for Christ. You see, I'm grateful for what Jesus did for me. Therefore, I'm thinking about what I need to do as far as being a faithful child of God. Romans chapter 12 and verse 9, Let love be genuine. Abhor that which is evil. 
Hold fast to that which is good. Now that's the thought that I have in my mind. My life has been transformed. I have a grateful heart. And now that I'm thinking about changing my life, I love what is right. I abhor that which is evil. No longer does it have the attraction for me. In 1 Peter chapter 1, the verse, verse 14 through 19, I'll take just a second to read that for us because of the significance of the point that's being made. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Don't go back and live like you used to live. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, verse 16, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were transformed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Do you notice that word he used there in that paragraph? You've been transformed. You've been transformed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We ought to appreciate that and grow to love and filled with gratitude over the fact that I no longer am held responsible and accountable for the terrible things that I once did. And Paul said, there's a, Peter said, there's a close connection here between a grateful heart and a life that's been transformed. Now, if I don't have a grateful heart, if I'm not concerned about these particular matters, then naturally my life is just going to go on just the way it always has been. But God is enjoining upon me the responsibility to live for Him. I'm not living by way of the crowd. Now I live for Christ. I live the Christian life. And even though I don't have time to develop the thought, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, really talks about this matter and how that he was emphasizing the fact that Moses, when he came down from the mountain and the face that he had and the glory that he had with regard, that glory passing away, now we live under a new covenant and a new law. He's saying, be grateful in your heart for what you've got and do not go back to the way of living. Let your life be transformed, changed. I love the way Paul puts it in Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, change my way of thinking. It takes a grateful heart to do that. It takes a heart filled with thanksgiving for what God has done for me to change my life and to make it in keeping with what God wants it to be. And every one of us are capable of doing it. If we will engender in our heart an element of gratitude and desire to serve God and to be pleasing to Him. I'll tell you what a grateful heart can do. A grateful heart can keep you faithful. It'll keep you from slipping away and going into error and going into a wicked way of life which you once came out of. The writer of the book of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 uses the word slip. And I've often thought that that's an interesting way to put it. It's very insightful. Of course, it's inspired. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Now, this translation uses the word drift, which is probably a good way to put it. The word slip or drift is the idea that the boat is not tied up to the dock. Uh, 
and we thought it was, but it's not, and now the current is slowly drifting the boat down the river, and now it's away. Well, that's what happens to our lives sometimes. Sometimes, if we're not totally tied to the dock of God and Jesus Christ, our lives can slip away, and we can drift away from the Word of God. You see, it takes a grateful heart, a heart filled with gratitude, a heart filled with thanksgiving, to keep us fast and to keep us sure so that we will not drift away. You know what we did this morning? These men stood up here behind me right here, and they distributed the ordinances this morning, and they prayed for the bread, and they passed it around. They prayed for the fruit of the vine. It had been passed around. We are remembering so that we do not drift away. We are remembering what Jesus did on that cross. And in Matthew 26, 26 through 28, as often as you do this, you remember me in my kingdom until I come again. The Bible is simply saying, you need to do this. And you need to do this every first day of the week, Acts chapter 20 and verse 7, 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. You need to do this every first day of the week because it'll keep you from drifting. It'll keep you together. It'll keep gratitude building in your heart and a thanksgiving for what God has done. One of my favorite hymns is, Jesus, keep me near the cross. Ain't it the true? In that hymn it says, Near the cross, O Lamb of God, bring its scenes before me. Help me walk from day to day with its shadow o'er me. The poet is trying to tell us, don't drift away. I do not know of a congregation, our brother, that does not have that problem. Somehow we fail to develop a grateful heart. And some have drifted away, more concerned about the way of this life than they are the church of the living God and Jesus who died for them. Reminds me sometimes of Old Testament Israel. One of the great prophets of the Old Testament was Jeremiah. Jeremiah in chapter 2 and 32, Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten their miraculous deliverance from evil, how God fed them in the wilderness. Now, a young woman who's getting married is not going to forget her wedding dress and is not going to forget the sentiments that were expressed during that very special time whereby her and her husband-to-be are united in marriage. But Israel has forgotten their father, they forgot that God gave them the law from the Mount of Sinai and they drifted away. Hebrew writer said you can drift away. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1. It's an ungrateful heart that does it. Israel had forgot the crossing of the Jordan. Israel had forgotten the deliverance from their enemies. God had protected them along the way and provided them with water. He provided them with manna and quail. He brought them through the wilderness. But what did the children of Israel do? They forgot. They let these matters slip away. You see, their hearts were hard and calloused. And they simply would not listen to what God had told them to do. Now, they could have prevented that. Israel could have prevented that if they had studied God's Word. If they had read God's law and taught God's law to their children, all of that could have been prevented. But they forgot the law of God. The Hebrew writer said they drifted away 
and we can do the same thing. We can drift away if we're not careful. What's my point? My point, it takes a grateful heart to stay faithful. It takes a thankful heart to be obedient to God. It takes a heart that remembers all that God has done. And it takes a heart that remembers all that God is doing. And that motivates us to be faithful. One of the benefits of a heart filled with gratitude is that there are bigger blessings to be received than we realize. And when this heart is filled with gratitude, they realize God is blessing and blessing and blessing. For this point, I go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul uses a type of agricultural metaphor when he talks about this sowing and reaping idea. The point is this, he says in verse 6, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And I'm in verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Now maybe I read that too fast. As I go back to that particular verse, I'm noticing verse 8. And you notice how many times he used the word all in verse 8. And he's talking about the fact how much God can bless us. Now if a person sows sparingly, he will reap sparingly. It's a principle of uh, God and His design of our world. It's a principle of nature that God has put in place. You know, a person's going to reap what they sow. If you don't sow much, you're not going to get much. If you sow a great deal, you're going to get a bigger crop. And he says, no, that's the way it is. That's my point. And he gave it to us in chapter 9, verse 6. But then he got to chapter 8, verse 8. And he said, now, look at the blessings that's in store for you. The grateful heart will receive greater and greater blessings. Let me read it again. And God is able. Notice the power of God. God's able to do it. To make all grace abound in you. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Now the ungrateful heart's going to rob himself of these particular blessings. God has given us all of these particular matters, and he's going to forfeit the blessings which God has in store for him, which God wants to give him. But because his heart is not grateful and his heart is not thankful, He's going to forfeit that, because if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. James tells us in James chapter 1 and verse 17, Every good and perfect gift comes down from above, and with God there is no variableness, no shadow of turning, some translations say. You can count on God and His wonderful blessings. Be filled with a heart of gratitude, for God is blessed physically. And God has blessed spiritually. And sometimes when we just get to feeling bad, and everybody has those days when we feel like nothing's going right and everything's going against us, that in turn we need to stop and count our blessings and see just what God has done. And it'll motivate us to be more faithful to God. 
Moses told the people of his generation, Deuteronomy chapter 8 and 18, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee the power to get wealth. He's the one that gave us the ability and the blessings, and we should be properly using those blessings for him. Jesus, on one occasion, Luke chapter 17, comes across ten lepers. Isn't that an amazing story? Now, leprosy was a terrible disease, a dreaded disease. And I've had thoughts in my mind about what this leprosy was like, and I don't know that the leprosy that we have today is the same as they had then. Maybe it is. I don't know. But the skin would actually deteriorate and fall from the bone. It was a dreaded disease. There's no cure. If you were a leper, you covered yourself and you were excluded from society. If you were coming down the street, you were to call out, leper, leper. Warning people ahead of time that you were a leper. Ten lepers come to Jesus. Miraculously, he heals those lepers. And what did they do? Nine went on their way. They did not thank Jesus. They did not think of him. They did not go back to him. Except one did. And this one leper comes back to Jesus and thanks him. And Jesus said, were there not ten lepers? Where are the nine? Well, they weren't there because they didn't have gratitude in their heart. You would think that somebody who had such a dreaded disease as leprosy and that Jesus miraculously would cure that disease, you would think they'd be down on their faces thanking him, thanking him, thanking him, but no ungrateful, didn't have the thankfulness that they really should have had, did they? Didn't have any at all. In Luke chapter 17, 17, then Jesus answered, were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Just one. And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now I want you to look at Luke 17 verse 19 and read it carefully. And when I get serious about these particular matters, I dig down just as deep as I know how to dig. And there is a marginal rendering with regard to verse 19. They translated, modern translators translated, your faith has made you well. But the word there is a different word. Your faith has saved you. It is a greater blessing than being actually cleansed of the leprosy. Whether the translation should be well or saved, one thing is for sure. He received a great blessing because he went back and he was thankful for what Jesus had done because he had gratitude in his heart and it motivated him to be the kind of person that God really wanted him to be. But let me add to that that I don't have the opportunity fully to develop the point. And it means a lot to me, and I'm sure it means a lot to you. Gratitude of the heart has got to make us humble people. 
There is no room for boasting, Galatians chapter 6, verse 4. We cannot save ourselves. It is by the grace of God, not of works that any man should boast, Ephesians 2, verse 9. You see, I can never repay Jesus for what He's done for me. Can't do it. I can't visit enough hospitals. I can't visit enough sick people. Knock on enough doors. I cannot be good enough to repay Christ for what He did for me dying on that cross and me receiving forgiveness of sin by my obedient faith. Gratitude. Gratitude will make us humble people. Gratitude will make us more like Jesus Christ. No matter how good I try to be, and it's my obligation to do that, I'll never be good enough to repay Him for what He's done. And that makes me a humble person. And whenever I think about myself being how good I am and how important I might be, as little as that is, I think about Jesus. And that without Him, I'm nothing. And I remember that without Him, I wouldn't have this hope of eternal life. With Jesus, 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. I'd like to read for you what I view may be the most profound passage in all the Bible. Now, I have no biblical basis to say that other than the content of it. But I have studied Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8 many, many times. I know you have as well. I do not know a more profound passage. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself took upon the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now, I love to go ahead and read on into that paragraph, but I'll look at verses 5 through 8 and try to understand as best as I can understand it, Jesus emptying himself emptying himself of sovereignty and independence and becoming a servant, a human being, and being found in human form. He was a human being. He had a human heart. He had human organs. He had human features. He was a human being completely and totally. But at the same time, he was the Son of God, and being totally divine. He's both human, being form, born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. He was a human being. But yet he was also God, God in the flesh. The only begotten Son of God, John chapter 1, 1 and 2. And when I recognize how great Jesus is and what great, how great things Jesus has done, it humbles me 
it buckles my knees. And I pray in thanks to God. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. Thank you for the forgiveness of sin, whereby we can repent, confess our faith, Romans 10, 9 and 10, be baptized into Christ for the remission of sins, Acts 2, verse 38, added to the church of the Lord, Acts 2, 47 and Acts 2, 41, be children of God, living the Christian life. Thank you, Lord, for all you have done. May we incorporate grateful hearts. May we learn how great God is and how humble we ought to be to be obedient to the divine will of God. And no matter what happens in this old world, I'm grateful. I'm thankful for what God has done for me. Will you not obey the gospel today? Won't you come? While together we stand and while we sing.